I I did do um a little bit of the editing for our uh, Patreon exclusive <laughs> podcast. So our uh, our our loyal listeners may be able to get a, a real taste of our previous episodes incompetence. So, Apple event just happened. Only watch and iPhone. And time to discuss. Start with a watch. So there's bigger screen, new faces, feedback in the crown, which I think will be not pretty nice, actually. I think it's going to be one of those little quality of life things that are make it feel much better. The size is definitely an improvement. I think what they're trying to go for is that um, part of the reason that third-party developers haven't really embraced the watch the same way is the form factor. And my guess is that if they make the form factor a little bigger, that there will be able to be more information on the watch. And therefore, uh, more people will be able to jump on to the watch as a platform. Yeah, I I think that uh, a lot of their interface ideas... Uh, they determined that it, they wouldn't really work with the smaller of the watches, and so their solution was to just make both watches bigger. <laughs> the screens for both watches bigger. I mean, I'm honestly happy with it. I mean, granted, I know, um, let me clarify that uh, I currently use the 42 millimeter watch, and then uh, Richard uses the 38 millimeter watch. Which is now a 40, apparently, with the new one. Yeah, and a 44 for me. Now, I'm guessing that from a size perspective that it's probably not going to be that big of a difference that it's not going to feel overly bulky or anything like that due to the fact that the watch is going to be thinner yeah it might look a little bit different on the wrist though depending on how wide or how how much more it gets pushed when they say uh or when they do a 40 millimeter is that a uh, diagonal measurement I I believe it's a diagonal, yes. So, I mean, realistically, two millimeters isn't a big deal. Well, I mean, the difference between the two is four millimeters before, and it did feel like a pretty significant difference. So, half of that. But they also changed the design such that it's a little bit more rounded. So, maybe that'll sort of make it more of a, a subtle increase in size. It's quite funny that, uh, I mean, for those of you in the know that uh, there were press images that ended up getting leaked last week. And the big speculation was whether or not the watch would actually be thinner, or if the picture was just one of those hero images that make it look thinner than it actually is. Yeah, and it turns out it is thinner. And they said the total volume is less, but they didn't really... Did they even say what the new thickness was? No, they didn't give any kind of measurements. It seems like there was, in general, like a fewer specifications uh, produced during the presentation. I was expecting a Bezos chart. (laughs) Well, you you know how with Amazon presentations, how they always show a chart that sales have been up, but never show baselines, never show how much. I mean, it's just a completely useless chart. I was Mm -hmm. expecting something like that. I mean, they said that it's thinner. It's just not any idea of how much thinner. It is X percent thinner. (laughs) And the screen is Y percent larger. I mean, they did say uh, that it was 30% larger, I believe, somewhere around that ballpark. Yeah, well, that's the screen, but we can already figure that out based off of the, 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 because they give us the new diagonal measurements. 
but and and I guess since they said that the volume decreased, we can figure out some uh, upper bounds on the thinness. <laughs> Watch that it's like minimally thinner. Exactly the smallest possible unit of volume, uh, less to make it the exact amount thinner as it would be for just increasing the screen size. They decided that they were going to have uh, improvements in three categories. Uh, the communications, the uh, fitness, and the health. And those last two are kind of one-ish category, but they decided to sort of break it out because I guess having two new areas of uh, two areas of improvement didn't sound wasn't sound very impressive. <laughs> you mean like a phone, an iPod, and an internet communication device? Yes, exactly like that. The new Apple Watch is the most advanced iPod ever. <laughs> Another thing I found interesting was the um, improved cellular connectivity. That uh, they were talking about how um, radio waves pass through on two sides of the watch. Yeah, they have the new ceramic back, uh, a black ceramic. That's the cause of the improved reception because radio can pass through both sides. I'm really hoping that uh, during... Because currently when I go and I run with my watch uh about a quarter of the time uh it indicates that it does not have a cellular signal which always makes me a little bit paranoid about like what's going to come in during those times but uh hopefully that'll be improved with the next one have you have you had that sort of issue where if you go with just the watch you get out of range often <laughs> in my case, I live in an area which does not have LTE at all. And uh, in the case of the phone, it's okay with the phone because the phone has a whole bunch of different bands for um, picking up calls. Mm -hmm. But in the case of the watch, the watch only has LTE reception. So if I go out with just my watch right now, I don't get any connectivity at all in my area. That, that really sucks. So that means that it is kind of a waste for you to have even gotten the cellular version. True, although my understanding is that um, Verizon is ending 2G at the end of the year. So what I'm hoping is that all of the areas that give the regular kind of 2G reception end up getting transitioned over to LTE. One would hope. Yeah, so I'm waiting to see what happens with that, and if that ends up changing, then I'll actually get to test with my watch. Although, I mean, I have gone on hikes where um, either I get no reception at all or um, I do actually get LTE reception. So that part's kind of nice. It's just yeah. the only thing about it is that if I don't have my phone on me, the watch ends up draining battery a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Boosts the power in order to try and figure find something. So, I mean, I get it. If you go out for a... 30-minute run with just your watch, I think that's the kind of use case that they're talking about. Whereas other times I've gone out for a 6- or 10-hour hike, mm -hmm. and uh, when that happens, the watch ends up just dying. Oh. Yeah, I don't know what the longest I've been without my phone is. I'm pretty... I've, I've had like an hour and a half run, but I don't know if I've gone much longer than that without my phone, at least not intentionally. I mean, uh, when I hiked Half Dome, I uh, made sure to actually keep my phone on mm -hmm. and uh, turn on the workout part of the watch. And I started my workout at around 5.30 in the morning, since that's when the hike started. Mm -hmm. And the phone was about, or not the phone, 
the watch was dead at about 2.30. Mm. I mean, granted, it was keeping a workout on for all of that time, yeah. as opposed to just having it in regular, um, you know, regular day-to-day use mode. So this this is why they have the ability to support multiple Apple Watches with the same phone, right? So you can have a really, really long hike. I'm, I'm sure that's the reason. <laughs> I can only imagine what that promo video would look like. <laughs> you go to a relay station and you swap out the watch with from one watch to another. You know, that's when they have their good-looking models or whatnot. Just take their second watch out of their backpack and put it on, and it's just, like, normal. Or if you really want to be really efficient, you put them both on at the beginning of the race, and then you just turn the other one on as the other one's battery dies. (laughs) I'm trying to imagine what that would be like during a marathon, (laughs) that you're watching, you know, you're running down the road while fiddling with your watch. Well, I do that all the time. Well, looking at and sometimes switching between modes. Do you ever find yourself almost running into stuff when doing that? Not really. I try and time it in a place where I can just sort of stare at my watch for a second. It doesn't take very long either. I don't run that fast. It's not like I'm driving a car or something. So there's a bunch of other random improvements for the watch. Um, They have a 64-bit dual-core processor. Was that previous one 64-bit? My understanding is the previous one was 32-bit. And that when I was reading... I was reading the uh, rumor sites and they were saying that the uh, S4 was going to be a big change because it was going to jump to 64-bit. Yeah, so that means that basically all of their hardware devices are 64-bit now, right? So this probably relieves a big software burden on them for their operating system. Well, at least until they stop supporting the older watch models. Well, yeah. They're also probably not going to have all of the new features available for uh, the old watches either. So, Doesn't Series 0 not even get watchOS 5? Yeah, it doesn't. But that's that's mostly because the Series 0 is incredibly underpowered. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unclear how long the other, the other two series, a three series, I guess, will last. I mean, I would give it another two or three years. Would be my guess. Probably. You know, I all I can think of are those people that went out and bought $17,000 watches. The only to find that it doesn't run watchOS 5. Yeah. I don't think those people really bought it to wear it in the first place. <laughs> Speaking of edition, uh, there is no ceramic version of this watch. Are you disappointed? I am really disappointed. I really like my ceramic watch. I mean, especially since there aren't any kind of scratches or scoff marks on it. Mm -hmm. Well, you can uh, just not upgrade. Why would I do that? (laughs) You have to upgrade. That doesn't make any (laughs) sense. How can you not upgrade? I mean, I have to hold up their stock value. You're the number one buyer of ceramic uh, Apple watches, aren't you? Not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And then they added a bunch of um, they added a bunch of new health and safety features, notably the uh, ECG, which is pretty cool. It's FDA approved. It also it doesn't look like that's going to be there like right at the launch. Um, I don't think it said like later this year or something or like that, right? Yeah, that's how it sounded. 
Yeah. And um, then it has fall detection. And I'm sort of wondering how sensitive that is. Uh, it'll automatically do an SOS if you fall and then do not move for a minute afterward. And so I'm wondering, like, what if your fall breaks the accelerometer? And uh, so it, you, and you don't notice that it didn't move for a minute. I imagine if the fall broke your accelerometer and the watch, you probably have bigger problems than uh, what 911 will be able to deal with there. I don't know, like you slipped and your hand bonked a, like a the cement ground behind you, so you're fine, but you damaged your watch such that the accelerometer doesn't work. But the rest of the watch works. I don't know. It's a pretty edge case. but That is a hell of an edge case. It's the kind of thing I think about when uh, I see stuff automatically calling police or ambulance or whatever. What do you think their uh, false positive rate will be? Probably pretty low, but it'll be interesting to see if it ever shows up in the news or whatever. I actually kind of expected the um, false positive rate for the hold the button down to be pretty high. Because I'm all that's the, like one of the things I'm always worried about accidentally doing is like holding the button down so long that it doesn't SOS. What I worry about are things like uh, exercises. Like, for instance, if I'm on my hands and I'm in um, push up position, mm-hmm. that uh, I mean, I'd run into scenarios beforehand where the crown would end up being pushed down. Yeah. I've accidentally pressed buttons, certainly. That's why I'm sort of concerned about, like, the accidentally notifying emergency services. I often consider flipping the watch so that it's in right-hand mode and then just Mm -hmm. wearing it on my left hand so that the crown and the 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 button's on the other side. That would probably avoid a lot of presses. I also kind of wonder about, like, athletes accidentally triggering it, like uh, gymnastics moves that might look like a fall or whatever. Well, I mean, if you're that serious of an athlete, are you really wearing your watch? I don't know. Maybe during practice. Is the watch rated for diving, though, at this point? Uh, All I know is it's supposed to be, like, waterproof. It's You can definitely swim with it. I don't know about diving. Did the waterproofing improve on the 4? Because I know the waterproofing improved on the phone. Uh, I don't know if it improved on the watch. I don't think they really talked about it. I think that the previous waterproofing done for the Series 3 was already pretty sufficient for most people. So I don't know that they really needed to improve on it very much from there. So IP68 on the 3, I want to say. The ECG running uh, using pressing your finger on the crown, I'm, I guess they probably couldn't have it, so it's running all the time like the heart rate monitor. But it's still going to probably provide for a lot of uh, a lot of interesting research data because more healthy people will be give, providing uh, ECG data. Because normally when you get an ECG, you're not necessarily a healthy person. And it'd be good to have more control data there. They said within their presentation that they'll be able to detect more specific heart conditions. Is that supposed to be just while you're idle and you're not within the ECG mode? I think that's the idea, yeah. Hmm, so how does that work? Uh, well, I mean, they just measure heart rate, and then they, they also correlate it with the accelerometer. Like, your heart rate suddenly went up when this sort of activity was detected or this sort of lack of activity was detected. Uh, in particular, like, if you're not moving very much and your heart rate suddenly spikes, it's usually a, an indication of something went wrong. 
So realistically, it's just using the optical sensor unless you're touching the crown with your finger, correct? Right. And I think even when you're touching the crown with your finger, you have to launch the ECG app first. I don't think it's an automatic thing. Let's see. Was there anything else with the watch? So it's two times faster or up to two times faster, which I think that bump is comes from the 32 to 64 bit upgrade. Um, I mean, that doesn't necessarily make it faster in itself, but yeah, it probably helped. Well, it's a different instruction set mm-hmm. between the 32 and 64. So my understanding is there's more operations, there's more registers, stuff and, like that. Yeah, and they're probably better able to leverage the work that they did with the iPhone uh, chip design. For me, it's one of the most important things on the watch because even in the Series 3, if I use Siri more often than not, there would be moments where it will say, I'll tap you when ready. Mm. And uh, just anything that ends up speeding that up so I can use Siri instantly mm-hmm. is a pretty big benefit for me. Uh, my watch is actually one of the few places where I actually do occasionally use Siri. Most of the time, I don't use it for pretty much anything. There's a lot of instances where I can't use my hands, so... Uh, and the watch is the most convenient thing to do Siri into. Um, you're not on watchOS 5, are you? The beta? No, I'm mm-hmm. not. Yeah, on 5, uh, one of the things that's really interesting is that you can actually raise the watch to your face and uh, give it commands without using the um, Hey Siri. I always That's another one of those things where I worry about uh, it accidentally triggering but it's more along the lines of having it right up to your face. So I think what it's doing is it's actually detecting the distance. Along with the position of the wrist, I would assume. Right. So what it's doing is it's assuming that if you're in Dick Tracy mode and you're talking to your watch <laughs> that you're actually going to be issuing a command to it. Mm-hmm. It's still not 100%. Does it have, have you had it like accidentally trigger a bunch of, uh, much at all? Yes, although that was on earlier betas. So I don't think I can really use that as a metric. At least it's improving. I think that pretty much covers the watch. And then the other major announcement was new iPhones. This event apparently only had the watch and the new iPhones. So the poor Mac Mini people are going to have to see if it comes out in October instead. I want the new Mac Mini, if there ever is one. Me too. Anyway, the new iPhone, it's the XS. Oh, wait, 10S. So depending on what sort of crazy thing you want to do to make fun of it, you can either say, that was really excessive, or let's go play some 10S. Or in the case of the other phone, I don't like the 10R of your voice. Your dad's side is showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's XS if to the max. Their naming schemes are just terrible. Yes. They really they need to think. They really need to rethink through all this. Yeah. I think that they really liked the idea of having um, the iPhone 10 so much that they didn't bother thinking about like where they would go from there. I'm guessing they're probably going to just go to 11 next year. They better license some Spinal Tap for that. What do you think? First off, what do you think of the... Uh, 10R. The 10R seems 
okay, I guess. Uh, I mean, it has most of the stuff from the XS, except it's using an LCD. And then I guess they reworked the way that the backlights work so they could bring it closer to the edges. Though I don't think that that was that uncommon. I'm pretty sure there's other LCD displays that are pretty close to the edges with Android, right? Yeah, I want to say Samsung at one point. Yeah, so that's not as big of a deal as they seem to try and indicate that it was. It's interesting. Oh, the most interesting thing I think about the uh, 10R is that they're able to do the depth and portrait mode stuff with the single camera just using the machine learning. True. I mean, although the Pixel ends up doing something similar. Yeah. I guess they figured they had to keep up with that. Overall, looking at the 10R, I looked at it and I thought, if this is what they had released last year, it would have been pretty dang impressive. Mm-hmm. You mean as the new um, flagship? Yes, as the new flagship instead of the iPhone 10. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of seems like what they're doing with it. I mean, it's it's effectively the iPhone 8 replacement. This this is apparently a pattern that they're going to have, the, the ultra-high-end and then this the not-quite-as-high-end but still has the same chip uh, slightly below it. If you go to their page, you actually see four different classes of iPhones now. You see the XS, the XR, the iPhone 8, and the iPhone 7. That's because they love to keep their hardware around forever now. Yeah, and everything except for the XR comes in two different sizes. I don't know if I have that much really else to say about the XR. It reminds me of uh, the 5C in a lot of ways, except instead of being unapologetically plastic, it's uh, actual um, 7,000 grade aluminum. Yeah, so what's so special about 7,000 grade aluminum? Well, um, my understanding is that it is more bend-resistant. Okay, so no more bend gate. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of... um, That problem was with the 6 series, and then they ended up uh, strengthening it. Then they ended up strengthening it a decent amount with the uh, 6S. Mm -hmm. Then they have all the new colors with the 10R. I mean, they look okay. Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing. And then there's the real new iPhones, the 10X and 10X Max. Oh, wait. 10S and 10S Max. Uh, <laughs> the 10X. <laughs> that would be awesome. The XX. 10X. <laughs> I was actually picturing it as, um, you know, just the number 10 and then X. <laughs> There we go. It would have actually been smarter because then it would have matched the pronunciation. Yeah, but oh well. Uh, I think that they their 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 Mac OS ten has forever made it so they they really like having the the X numeral the X character. I hope there's never any ten release of any of their products ever again. TV OS ten. Oh, God, help us. It'll be the Xbox. I think that's taken. No, no, no. I'm sure that they'll be able to get it. The 10 box. The 10 10 box. (laughs) I can see it, too. Then they can have the 10 box 360. 
And the 10 box one. And then all the way back up to the 10 box 10. <laughs> yep. There's the, the two screens. One of them is 5.8 inch, which is, I believe, the same as before with the OLED. And the other one is a 6.5 OLED. Um, they supposedly have... Is the resolution the same with the 2436 by 1125 for the smaller one? Yes, I'm looking at the specs now. It's 2436 by 1125. Yeah. And then on the max, it is 2688 by 1242. Oh, yeah. Um, which they call Super Retina because it's 458 pixels per inch. But at this point, I mean, might as well just call it Retina. I mean, it's supposed to not matter, right? I mean, I'm just waiting for Super Retina Turbo HD. You know, following the Street Fighter naming convention. The new challengers. <laughs> the final challenge. And then it's supposed to have like 60% greater dynamic range, uh, which seems like it should be nice. Though the Super Retina thing is a little bit misleading, right? Because it's still a pentile display. I hadn't seen any sort of announcement on a change. Well, I mean, the I previous imagine, one was, so I would assume that yes. it's still a Pentel display, which means its effective resolution is a bit lower. Unfortunately, yes. Are there any high-resolution OLED screens that are not like a Pentel kind of format? I think in TVs, okay. but they're really, really expensive televisions. That uh, seems like it would make more sense there, especially given that the data that you have coming in with the TVs is going to be... The same for a real 4K uh, LED versus a, I mean not LED, um, LCD versus a OLED. So having it not be Pentel there makes sense. Yeah, although I know with the uh, LG OLEDs they add a white subpixel, and uh, one of the things that I'm waiting for before getting a new OLED is uh, for them to just go to regular RGB. And my understanding is that's going to help with the uh, color gamut, especially yeah. within um, Dolby Vision-enabled stuff. Yeah, I, I actually still don't have an OLED TV. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to get permission to, to upgrade my TVs for a while. One thing at a time. I'll, I'll, I should be able to upgrade my phone, so I'm happy with that. Because I'm, I'm moving from a 7 Plus. So you're not on the um, payment plan or anything like that? No, I always just buy my phones outright, and I don't like returning my phones. So, the next thing they have, uh, obviously a new chip because they have a new chip every time. This one's called the A12 Bionic. The it's a, a seven nanometer chip, which they're really creeping up into uh, Intel's territory. Uh, the other chip manufacturers are really, since Apple doesn't manufacture it themselves, but. So it's it's interesting that they are theoretically going to be able to make these in mass uh, at that size. It's a 50% faster Apple GPU. So Apple is also working their way up on the the GPU side, um getting close to pretty close to desktop there. And uh then they have the neural engine that they added which is like an 8 core dedicated chip for doing machine learning um and i think they said it's a uh, five trillion operations per second with their neural net hard hardware their machine learning hardware that they added which is 
I guess an upgrade from the previous, it was like 600 or 800 billion operations per second on their neural hardware for the previous phone. Well, they're saying in the, um, they're saying on the page here, the core ML runs up to nine times faster. Right. And that's sort of consistent with, uh, that number of ops. And then they said it also takes one tenth the energy. So my question is at one tenth the energy for the, um, for the same number of operations, then I guess that's my guess. Um, I mean, cause if it's one tenth the energy over time, that would be even better, right? Then, cause then it would be, uh, one tenth the energy, then, then it would be both faster and use less energy multiplied. Uh, so the energy per op would be even less. Well, my guess here is that they're saying that a fixed number of operations are done when it comes to doing a specific task. Right. And since it's that much faster, you know, it happens up to nine times faster. Right. That set operations will happen in one ninth of the time. Right. And then in addition, there's some um, optimizations due to things like process. Right, right, right. And that's, that's sort of what I would have figured that it, that they meant not like actually using one tenth, tenth of energy all the time. So it's, it's more like it's using roughly the same or roughly 90% of the energy uh, all of the time, but nine times faster. And so the energy per op goes down. And notice there were a whole lot of demos this time around just to show that off. Yeah, there's a, there was a bunch of demos. There's a fishing demo. You can go fishing. <laughs> what I think happened there was that simply people don't quite understand um, what this all means, having a much more sophisticated neural engine on the chip. So yeah. hence, doing a whole bunch of different demos that show off things is pretty much telling people what you can expect with this kind of phone. That, and they didn't have as much stuff to announce. That's true. Yeah. So they had the new Bethesda demo, which is not really an AR thing. Uh, they had the... the they had the, uh, sh- the, there's a basketball court training app where it, you aim the video at someone playing basketball and it tracks all the shots they made, which ones went in, which ones didn't, where they're taken from, etc. And uh, aggregates this data in a way to help the person playing be able to improve their basketball game. And that one I thought was really cool, actually. Yeah, it's cool. It's just not useful for most people. Yeah, but it, it it presents the idea of like what kind of thing this augmented reality could be useful for in sort of a semi-real-world scenario. Yeah, they want people to use their imaginations as yeah. well as having app developers use their imaginations to say, here's what we can do with this new hardware. Yeah, and it, it auto-detected the court, but I'm sort of wondering if it requires the lines on the court to have been drawn and so I wonder if it's also usable in like regular street courts or like if you put a basketball hoop in your yard uh, or if anything, uh, anything like that, if it would still be able to detect your, your shot locations and your shots and like uh, provide you with the correct information and whatnot. Well, one thing they didn't show was any kind of calibration process, which I imagine for this kind of app there would be. And I think that they said that it just sort of auto-detects the court. And it wasn't necessarily a, a calibration needed. Yeah, but that's for that specific kind of court. So yeah, it's still oh. entirely possible that if it's within 
that you can have a calibration for non-standard courts. Exactly. That's a kind of app that I like to see. I mean, I, I'm, I love statistics and whatnot, so I could see myself like actually going and taking a basketball and trying that just so I could see the data that resulted, even though I don't really play basketball. <laughs> see, what I see them doing as well is selling to a whole bunch of people who play golf, because yeah, right. you could just as easily do that for something like a golf swing. Right. Except tracking the ball all the way is much more difficult. So you could do it for the swing and you could maybe get the connection and possibly the ball, like, cause it's going to move pretty quickly. So you make, might be able to get the ball in frame for one or two frames after the connection, but I don't know. Well, for something like that, would it be more useful to have it record at uh, 120 or 240 frames a second? Oh yeah. At lower resolution. Definitely, though it's unclear whether or not you can do the real-time analysis with the higher frame rate. That's a really good question there. Hmm. I don't know if they what's the maximum frame rate where they can where they can do the uh, neural net analysis of the frames. Well, even if it's not real time and you have a delay of say ten to fifteen seconds per swing, that's still not the end of the world. That's true. I mean, it, you can have it where it's. Yeah, it does the recording and then does the analysis. With a golf swing, it's more doable because you're not going to be doing rapid-fire swings like you might with basketball. True. Another good area I could see would be baseball. Yeah. All sorts of sporting things where you want to analyze form. Mm-hmm. Um, weightlifting for doing form analysis might be also good. Actually, I think there might already be an app like that with uh with weightlifting where it does form analysis i imagine it would be easier though either easier or more accurate with better hardware um and then they did they did the galaga ar thing with multiplayer people shooting at ships around a table which seems like it would be very very goofy to see in person i mean it's cute it's something I imagine wanting to try, you know, once or twice, but not exactly something that I would uh, use all the time. Yeah. I, I think that I would probably want to try it with my kids, assuming they don't break the phones. Um, and that's all the other problem there is I would I would only pretty much have one phone that's capable of doing it, maybe two. Um, so getting the people together to do it would be more difficult since I don't have enough phones for everyone because I'm not going to just go and buy my kids new phones. They get they get hand me downs. <laughs> well, maybe five years down the line. Yeah, five years from now, I can let after after enough new phones have come out. You know what would be really awesome is uh, if Nintendo did something like Mario Party. Oh, uh, yeah, with uh, all the different. Well, they're sort of doing that with the Switch, right? Like they have the Mario Party games that actually involve sticking multiple switches together. Like you put them next to each other and it makes a new course based off of where the switches are and whatnot in Mario Party. Yeah, it's really neat. It's just how many of your friends end up having switches. Right. Well, the problem for me is not how many friends of mine have switches. It's how far away I live from all my friends. Yeah, true. But then also, like, you have a family and, uh, I mean, what, each person in the family is going to have a switch? Right, that's the problem. The family members not having switches is the problem. <sighs> I, I I would like to have 
multiple of my family members have a switch for multiplayer stuff like that but there's problems on multiple fronts there's getting the new hardware approved and then there's the additional problem of well then you have to buy multiple copies of the games because the nintendo is not as nice as microsoft about doing a family share kind of thing in the same household Um, and that's one of the real, that's one of the things I like most about my Xbox is I, I do actually have two and then I have one upstairs and one downstairs. And of course I have two because I got it right when it came out and then I got another one to get the new hardware and didn't sell the old one. And I love that I can have, I, I love that I can play the same game multiplayer on both Xboxes between upstairs and downstairs without having to buy two copies of it. Okay. Yeah. That's really neat. And I, I think. Nintendo needs to do that too. <laughs> I mean, so the way that the Xbox works is if you have the game downloaded onto the Xbox, then that Xbox is able to always play that game no matter who is logged in, like the initial purchase. And then in addition to that, if you have a second Xbox and the person who made the purchase is logged into their account, then that Xbox can also play. Say hypothetically you had two Nintendo Switches. Would you be able to be logged in on your uh, Nintendo account on these two devices? Well, no. Uh, With the Nintendo devices, you can only be logged in on one device at a time. Uh, But even if if you could log in to both at the time, they're the... The device that is the one that purchased the game is the only one that gets it pretty much. Now, there may be some change on that because uh, the uh, whole Nintendo Online thing that is coming out later this month, they're supposed to have a family plan with that. Well, hopefully it'll change. Though I don't know if I'd ever be able to get the second Switch approved anyway. All right, back to the iPhone. So uh, we missed one part that the uh, 10R doesn't have any sort of 3D touch. Oh, right. That was the other 10R thing. So we were both right. If they both kept it and dropped it. Well, I guess I wasn't really predicting anything like you were. You, I was just questioning whether or not it was going to happen because there was a rumor that it was being dropped. But it looks like it's just dropped for the 10R, which I guess in a way makes it worse than the iPhone 8. Well, there's a reason to have the 8 around, I guess. <laughs> that for the, for those people and people who um for people who like uh touch id so i'm trying to look and see how much the eight is going to be now do you know if the price actually has gone into effect i have uh, the screenshot uh iphone 7 uh starts at 449 iphone 8 599 iphone 10r 749 iphone 10 s uh, 999 and 10s max is the maximum price of 1099 well not the maximum price that you can get with that phone but the maximum starting price and didn't you say that you could configure it up to like fifteen hundred dollars it was either 1449 or 1499 a ridiculous amount of money for a phone and i'm probably going to end up paying it so it looks like okay 1449 yeah, so almost $1,500. $1,500 after tax, I'm, or more than $1,500 after tax. So so let me ask, how much space are you actually using on your phone right now? Uh, I use 96 gigs. 
I use 86.1 gigs. However, yeah, a lot of that is the I, the um, photos. Uh, for me, next to none of mine are photos. Oh, really? Because um, I actually have an iCloud plan, which uh, offsets oh, a whole bunch of that. It offloads it? Mm-hmm. But what if you want to see them while you're not connected to anything? Well, I guess that sucks for me, right? Yeah, I still don't have the upgraded space for the iCloud account. So I'm weird. So I'm actually thinking for the first time of not getting the top tier iPhone. Oh, for space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think... Yeah, I, I didn't last time because I only got the 128 gig. Um, and I... Pro- is is the top tier 512? The top tier is now 512. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to get that. I'm probably going to get 256. Is the flash memory faster on the 512? I think it would be. If if it's faster with a higher capacity, there could be a number of reasons. They could be using a higher quality memory. The uh, It's almost certainly not the transistor size being smaller, but they could have uh, more chips in parallel. If you have more chips in parallel, you can get a faster speed out of that as well. With the with old school spinning disk, it, uh, it, since the rotation rate of the disk was constant, whether or not you had a uh, high-capacity drive or a low-capacity drive that inherently made high-capacity drives faster than low-capacity drives because they are more densely packed and the spinning uh, and the spinning disk spun at the same rate. I don't know if that's worth $8 a month for me. <laughs> so you are on the uh, plan? I am on the plan. I'm paying something like $56 a month right now. And it looks like that's going to jump up to, well, if I get the 256 10S Max, that's going to be $60.33 a month. Fun. I'm probably just, I'm probably going to get the 10S Max. It looks like you're also getting the 10S, 10S Max. Okay. So I guess we can move on to the rest of the presentation. As always, they have a new camera. And then they have the configurable f-stop stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, that was configurable f-stop, right? I don't remember. It was in post. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. Um, I assume based off, cause they grabbed like for every picture, they grabbed like eight frames with, uh, of data with different settings, uh, and then sort of merge them together to get your photo so they can have all of the, the high dynamic range and about their new high dynamic range thing. HD. Oh, smart HDR. That's what it was. Um, they, 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 this is a new term, right? Uh, sounds like it. I don't remember anything like that before. Um, where where they're talking about secondary interframes that for detail highlights, a, a shadow detail, uh, frame, uh, picture with long exposure that they add there. Um, then they say there's effectively zero shutter lag, um, which I guess since there's no physical shutter kind of makes sense. Um, <laughs> well, it's processing. Yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Um, and then the cool thing was the, that they wanted to demonstrate for the camera was the, the adjustable depth of field um, after taking the shot. So that, that did look pretty neat. They say their sensor is two times as fast, which is cool. And uh, they have stereo sound recording, which I'm not sure if they did before. 
Did they have stereo sound recording previously? I don't recall anything like that. The new, the new, the new camera does look very pretty, um, but they always make it look very pretty. So we'll see how it actually turns out when we get them. The pictures they always take show what's possible with the phone, not uh, what a regular photo is going to look like from a regular person. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they actually are like, especially indoor shots, lowish light shots. See, and that's one of the areas that the phone has the most ground to actually do improvement on. Right. That's that's why they're. I mean, because it's it's been really good at outdoor shots for a long time. Oh yeah, I mean, in and, part because of the brightness level. Yeah, um, and then indoor shots have been slowly working them their way into more acceptability. I mean, one thing I liked about the presentation is that he did correctly point out that a big part of progress within uh, cameras now is actual signal processing Mm -hmm. rather than uh, lens improvements. Right. And um, a lot of the people that sort of take the specs comparisons between the Apple and the Android cameras um, sort of ignore that a lot and don't think about like all of the software that's involved in doing the, the, the internal processing. And like one of the advantages of, the iPhone is that they can have like a really close connection between the hardware and the software there. Um, whereas the Android phones have a little bit more of a disconnect um, for their processing. Yeah. And I mean, their processing can target specific hardware rather than targeting any kind of hardware that's potentially put into a phone. They can design their hardware and software around each other uh, with each team sort of informing the decisions of the other. Which helps out a lot, I think. I mean, I think it also shows in uh, phones like the Pixel. Yeah, or or Google. I mean, the, it's it's sad about the Pixel. Like they're 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 generally the best Android phones, but they're so unpopular. What is it about the Pixel that uh, why don't people jump on that the same way? I don't think Google really markets them. I mean, so they have like their press events and everything like that where people come and see them. But like, so far as actual marketing goes, they don't really do a lot of it. They don't have a lot of the connections with the individual stores that are selling the phones like Samsung does. So it ends up being very appealing to geeks and nobody else hears about them. But I mean, from their perspective, why not advertise? Why not do the big push? Maybe they don't want to piss off all of their other partners. So I, I think part of Google's idea is that this is this we want to set the bar for all of the other partners and show we don't if you don't want to be embarrassed too much this is what you have to shoot for so we're not going to like go and be mean to you by uh, pushing our phone all over the place and doing lots of advertisements and uh, ruining your uh, partnerships with the retailers but we do want you to keep on pushing your phones. Uh, such that you don't feel too embarrassed when you're releasing them compared to our phone. A way to fight complacency among manufacturers. I guess kind of like uh, the video cards back in the day, where there would be a reference version of a video card that would come out, and then 
all the different manufacturers that actually uh, do retail versions of the video card have their own versions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a little bit like that, except that I think in Google's case, they're usually better. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the reference boards usually weren't necessarily, the reference boards weren't necessarily like always the best versions of the cards, though they generally were the least encumbered with crap. Yeah. I mean, it didn't come with uh, a whole bunch of bloatware, which yeah. uh, a lot of those other video cards that came out included that. And that, that I think, covers the camera. Uh, then they talked about all the other miscellaneous stuff, such as uh, the longer battery life. And the way that they phrase this is funny to me. They, the 30 minutes longer battery life with like no qualifications. I assume that it's like standard usage time. Which I think was already like what ten uh, more than twelve hours. Doesn't isn't there like standard usage time, um, like ten to twelve hours normally? Um, and then there the ten S max one more hour. They, again, they didn't qualify it with one more hour of what? No, is it one more hour of talk time? Is it one more hour of browsing? Is it one more hour of standby time? <laughs> See, uh, looking on the specs here, it says talk time is up to 20 hours, internet up to 12, video playback, wireless up to 14, audio playback up to 60. Okay. Because if, so like if they say if it's one more hour, but it's one more hour of audio playback time, that's a 160th improvement for the bigger phone. But if it's one more hour of video, that's much better. See, and now that they don't sell the 10 at all, I can't easily <laughs> go to the specs. Trixie Apple. Um, but it's, 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 it's nice to have more battery time. I love the applause that happened with the 30 minutes longer. <laughs> Just the kind of <laughs> that weak applause. like hey. 30 minutes. Yay. Yeah. But then when they talk about the uh, 10s Max being 1.5 hours longer, then it's like an actual oh, I thought it was bona fide applause. I thought it was just an hour longer. No, it says on the page oh. here up to 1.5 hours longer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's more significant. They should have found like their least impressive improvement stat uh, for the length of time. Like, uh, now play games 17 seconds longer. <laughs> 13 seconds if you include overheat time. (laughs) But does it run crisis? (laughs) (laughs) But if you look at the page here, it actually says between the two on the, uh, the 10S says talk time, 20 hours. The 10S max says 25 internet on the 10S is 12 on the 10S max. It's 13 video playback goes from 14 to 15 Audio playback goes from 60 to 65. So okay. my guess is they're probably either talking about internet or video playback. Oh, that's good. Although it's just shows up to 12 versus up to 13. So mm-hmm. I have no idea where the 1.5 comes in. Uh, well, I think they tried to do like an all around usage thing with assuming certain percentages of your time doing various things, but I don't know. Uh, then they said gigabit class LTE. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Is that like just 5G LTE? What is that? 
Um, yeah, you go through your uh, you go through your five gigs of data that you have on your plan really quickly that way. Well, actually, I I don't know how big your plan is. Okay. Still, 22 is not that much. And then they talked about the the dual SIM thing. So one of them is the eSIM and the other is like a regular SIM. Um, and that should be pretty useful for international travelers, though. The eSIM, is the eSIM going to be the primary one and the removable one, like the secondary? Or can you just do it however you want? Like I would, I would no hope idea. that you could reserve the physical extra sim for like your alternate, like your non-main, um, because a lot of foreign countries don't, don't necessarily support it. See, what I want to see is the user interface on all this. If you have two sims in at once, um, if somebody calls you, which phone number is it coming from? Mm-hmm. Would you do an outgoing call? How do you specify which SIM you want to use and which number you want to use? So I would imagine that they handle it sort of like they handle the outgoing iMessages, like which Apple ID is being used or whatever, which means it is probably going to be incredibly painful. <laughs> I mean, the two SIMs there, uh, when I was watching that, I was referring to it as the Heisenberg model. Well, you know, Breaking Bad and the whole two cell phones. You don't even need to buy a second fo- uh, phone to, to conduct your illicit activities. See, I love in that phone that uh, they always break the cell phone rather than just pop in a new SIM. You got to break the cell phone. That's uh, You've, you've got to demonstrate your wealth and uh, cinema flair. Do you ever watch uh, Better Call Saul? Uh, I haven't watched the new seasoned episodes yet. I watched the old ones. There is a whole episode that involves breaking phones. <laughs> I assume this is the new season then. This is the new season. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to get back to that. Let's see. Was there anything else with the Apple event? Um, They announced uh, software updates for the HomePod and the Apple TV. Right. Hooray. Yep. I'm so- actually... Uh, I was surprised that the uh, Mac OS release is actually going to come out this month and not in October. I was sort of surprised by that as well, since I would have expected the new Mac OS release to be timed with whenever they're doing the Mac event. And so it sort of makes me wonder, is there not going to even be a Mac event? This really shows their newfound commitment to the Mac. You know, it may just be that the iPhone is so important that uh, any sort of software that ties in with iOS better should be released sooner rather than later. But what specifically is part of Mojave that would be needed for the iOS stuff? So Mojave, dark mode. Yeah, it's not iOS. The file management. No. Gallery view, metadata. Better screenshots. <laughs> okay, this isn't helping. Okay, so I, I don't, I, I, I don't see the good reason then. I, um, I maybe, FaceTime? maybe, 
I don't know, maybe. I, I well, think- FaceTime when it comes out. Sorry, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's not coming out on uh, iOS twelve right away. Damn it! Given all of the advancements with uh with the iPhone and the chip hardware, and there are new, completely Apple designed GPU stuff, the neural net stuff. Um, the fact that the new iPhone is faster than some of the Macs. I'm wondering if the new Mac Pro that they announce uh, will, at least as a coprocessor, start having Apple chips, like sort of a collection, just like take 8 to 16 iPhones and cram it in a box, basically. And um, have that as sort of a, a an accelerator, a coprocessor kind of thing uh, for the new Mac Pro. See, I'm wondering how is that going to work? Is uh, when it comes to Mac OS, is it going to be primarily? Um, is it going to be primarily using horsepower wise the uh, iPhone chips or you know the A A12, A13, whatever it ends up being? Oh, I was thinking. So this could like sort of start their transition to arm uh in that it's it's non-threatening to intel because it's a co well not non-threatening it's less threatening to intel because it's a co-processor and not completely removing the cpu it's a way for them to test out uh building for arm on the mac in sort of a public way um it allows them to have a huge amount more uh, processing power just by shoving up basically a bunch of uh, iPhone chips that have been sort of modified for the thermals of the desktop and whatnot. Um, and it it sort of it, it sort of plays to Apple's desire to do everything um, themselves, um, and it would probably be a lot faster. Um, and with their new GPU capabilities, they could also do their own VR stuff that way. Uh, probably working with Valve, uh, et cetera. So what would be the long game for that? So um, as an example, you're saying, okay, say it starts off where the A chip ends up being a coprocessor, and then you have the Intel chip. Is it eventually going to happen where the A, you know, the A13, A14, whatnot, ends up becoming the primary chip, and then Intel ends up being for backwards compatibility in apps boot camp how uh how do you envision that working yeah i i would think that it would start off by having it be where it's effectively a coprocessor and eventually they just move it to everything assuming that um uh, assuming that they don't run into too much blowback from uh people that need the x86 stuff running on their uh, pro stuff, then they can start moving it over to their their laptops and whatnot. And sort of this combined with uh, Windows also wanting to transition to ARM might even allow them to continue to have stuff like Bootcamp. So you see this as something they would work with Microsoft on? I don't know if they would work with Microsoft necessarily, but since it would both be... since Microsoft also wants to transition to ARM. If they do it, if they do it at roughly the same time, they wouldn't have to lose a lot of the functionality uh, that uh, Bootcamp provides. So, I mean, unfortunately, I would see 
a whole lot of apps and whatnot needing to be recompiled. Yes, that is definitely true. Although, um, one of the things I'd heard about with the uh, Mac App Store, or rather, not just the Mac App Store, but also the iOS Store, is that uh, apps there weren't fully compiled when you ended up uploading them to the store. Right. And there's, uh, there's, there's, it's their special intermediary code, that the, the, their intermediary bytecode that gets uploaded and then uh, recompiled with optimizations uh, when it actually goes to the individual phones. So in the case of something like, say, the Mac App Store, if it's doing something comparable, is that one of the things that Apple is hinging on? Having a decent amount of success in the Mac App Store in order to uh, be able to switch architectures. Right. And another way they could sort of do it is um, they could have the Intel CPUs as being sort of the coprocessor specifically running for running legacy stuff and everything else, uh, the Apple hardware. Or just switch to AMD if it's going to play a smaller role anyhow. Um, maybe, though I think that they're too chummy with Intel to sort of ditch them entirely. Was there anything else? Um, I guess just all the stuff that didn't get announced today. Oh, yeah. So, no new Macs, no tantalizing images of a Mac Pro, no tantalizing images of a Mac Mini, no tantalizing images of new iPads, or anything else. No new AirPods, no mention of AirPower. Yeah, they're still working on that, I guess. Yeah, apparently. No indication of uh, having anything special relating to their circular logo image, other than it just being on the new Apple campus, which is disappointing. No cheaper HomePod. No new Apple TV. No car. (laughs) No VR glasses. No more. No one more thing. Yeah. Well, aside from the uh, 10R. It's, that was with it. they have another iPhone to show you. That definitely does not qualify as one more thing. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, no reworking of the way that the watch is shaped, so there's no circular top. Uh, no, no round iPhone or no round Apple Watch. No round iPad. No round iPhone. Confirm <laughs> disc shaped iPhone. You could have an iPhone in a little compact case. No return of the uh, hockey puck mouse. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no round Apple cinema displays. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you can see that oh, with the next be- Mac Pro. We've made it round. They could take the cylinder idea from the trash can Mac Pro and extend it out into the entire hardware ecosystem. Kind of a have a cylindrical keyboard, uh, a, a, a round face display, hockey puck mouse. <laughs> the display is going to look like a 1950s TV from a sci-fi movie. Exactly. Yeah, no regular. 5k cinema display announcement either right but well, we weren't I'm, expecting yeah, that I'm, I'm pretty sure that one's coming with whenever they announce the mac pro mm-hmm. right do you think that's going to get its own event or just go along no. with all the rest of the other mac stuff 
No, it's just going to go with all the other Mac stuff. So that means we can't really realistically expect them to talk, even talk about the new Mac Pro until WWDC of next year, essentially. Not necessarily. I see that it could happen in October when they announce uh, new iPads and new Macs. So do you think that they're going to, so do you think that they're going to talk about iPads and Macs in the same event then? I could see it happening simply because the iPads that they're looking to announce are pro iPads and uh, the regular non-pro iPads were announced um, earlier in the year. I don't know. If they're not going to have anything special about the new iPads, I think they might not even get an event. Well, they're actually talking about a whole lot of stuff that um, the new iPads are supposed to have um, face ID on it. Oh, right. They're supposed to have stuff. thinner bezels. But uh, yeah, it's basically going to be an aesthetic redesign, mm-hmm. amongst other things. So I could see it warranting its own show, especially considering that uh, the regular iPad got its own event. Uh, other stuff they didn't show is like a home automation stuff. They could have their own custom home automation hardware. I think that's next year. Oh, uh, or a or um, or a new Wi-Fi router that also acts as a HomePod. Well, um, they actually did do a software release for uh, the airport, which was pretty surprising. Oh, that yeah, the the Airport Express. Yeah, I thought about updating yeah. it, updating mine, so I could get the AirPlay two on my airport express. I don't actually use it for any sort of range extension. It is exclusively a Wi-Fi input for, for airplay for my Sonos. Oh, nice. And that is, that is the whole reason I have the airport express hooked up. It has uh yeah, it goes ethernet into it. And then out of it goes the, <laughs> the uh, audio. Yeah. I actually use mine as a range extender. Oh, I have two downstairs. One is the time capsule. And then upstairs, I have an airport express. I, I don't use it as a Wi-Fi extender. Mm-hmm. It's just that I have Ethernet hooked up to both of them. Right. In hopes that uh, the phone or whatever wireless device ends up choosing the closer of the two devices. You can hope. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have a similar setup, except that all of mine are Ubiquiti uh, Wi-Fi. So How I do have- you like those? They're great. Um, they can be a little bit tricky to set up sometimes, but they work very well. Uh, so I have one upstairs and two downstairs for my U- ubiquities. Can you actually see which of the devices it's connecting to? Yes, I can. And uh, most of the time, does it choose the closest one? Usually, usually. Okay. Um, phones will sometimes connect stay connected to the other one after you move them around and stuff but i think they usually disconnect and reconnect eventually to the closest one speaking of wireless uh i noticed the watch said it has bluetooth 5 support oh yeah that's i don't know what's new about bluetooth 5 but uh longer range oh yay it's yeah it's supposed to actually double the range nice Oh, we forgot the very most important thing about the new watch. And do you know what that is? Pray tell. The stupid little red dot is no longer <laughs> completely covering the crown. It only has the circle. This is this by itself is worth upgrading your watch. <laughs> 
You know, you could always just buy a $5 sticker to go over your existing watch. But that would come off when I watch my, that would come off if I watched my, wash my hands too much. Yes. However, you could buy 100 of these stickers no. for $5 a piece and it would still cost less than the watch. It's a janky user experience. <laughs> That's not the Apple way. No, you have to, you must go and com- get a completely new device. That is the only way. I really wish the watch had an upgrade program the way the phone did. I know on the business side, they actually have that for iPads. Oh. So uh, you can get an iPad for two years, and uh, you can either do it in a way where at the end of the two years you trade it in, or um, at the end of the two years you end up keeping it for a slightly more monthly, slightly higher monthly amount. But realistically, what I would want is something that's one year instead of two years, and then just trade it in. Right, right. Okay, Doki. Uh, I think that's about wraps things up. Thank you to li- for listening to our 14 billion Patreon subscribers, and hopefully we can get up to 17 billion next week. Later. Enjoy the least thoughtful commentary with the best quality audio.